Love what you hear? Be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, and even our D&D adventure. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This is Spartan 117. Anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And before we get into part two of today's Reach episode, we're going to give you just some cool community updates that have been going on within Halo. Mm -hmm. So 343 released almost kind of like a PR video to say, hey, this is who we are. This is what we're doing for Infinite. And this is what we've done for the franchise. It's about six minutes long. So go to their YouTube channel, check it out. And then also... 343 Industries has just released some screenshots of Halo Combat Evolved 2 and 3 on PC. And I will say Halo 2 Anniversary on PC does look phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so with that being said, we are moving into part two of Halo Reach. I know last week we went over development, 343 coming in along with marketing and the campaign. So we're going to start off this episode with... Probably the biggest controversy that came from Halo Reach, which was the changes to the lore. And being a bad game. <laughs> so Bungie would state that at the time of Halo Reach, both the Covenant and the UNSC were at the height of their power. And we would see weapons on the planet that might not make it off due to the overall destruction of the planet. Marcus Leto would state that though they wanted the game to take place on Reach, they didn't want to bind themselves into the fall of Reach, instead throwing some nods to the story here and there, but they wanted the ability to write a whole new story with new characters. So by the end of it, Bungie was not worried about changes in lore that they would have to make for Reach. They wanted Reach to be the best Halo game that they would ever deliver, and if that meant that they had you know, to do some retcons and changes, then so be it. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's their own property. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you do what you can, because as you write one game, you know, you're like, all right, we're cool. We're doing a game. Oh, we're getting a sequel. Awesome. You're not really thinking back. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you had writers produce the books that were kind of filler information, especially trying to get like, okay, well, here's a cool backstory to how these Spartan soldiers came to be. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense. And it started off, we have, there were surviving Spartan threes mm -hmm. for this. We also had that there was public knowledge of Spartan 3s, which there was not supposed to be. Yeah, so instantly, and I was not familiar with the lore playing this game, so I was like, yeah, sure. And then I heard people say that, and I was like, oh, uh-oh. So mm -hmm. that's already kind of fishy. 
Yeah, and you can you can kind of say like, oh well, they're just helping. Like they're they're here. I don't know, doing their part. And going with that, obviously, with George is Spartan Twos working with Spartan Threes, mm-hmm. which again, big no no. Yeah, no one knew. Even Halsey's not supposed to know. Yeah. So then we have that brutes and drones are deployed on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because all up until the Great Schism, they weren't. They were bottom of the barrel guys. Mm-hmm. They weren't supposed to be ground units or anything like that. Yeah. We also have the Pillar of Autumn on Reach. Mm-hmm. We have the Crystal Revealing Installation of Four's location. So that's the one that Halsey kind of found and was messing around with. Mm-hmm. Was That was found on Sigma Octanus 4 had, for some reason, been moved to Reach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we have the idea turned to fact that apparently the first wave of Covenant Invaders snuck under Reach undetected. Yeah. You it- know, because we... we talk with those farmers and figure out like oh mm-hmm. something's here yeah and in the book it was just an initial evasion yeah which makes sense like how do you not detect that being yeah like a military capital <laughs> yeah <laughs> the covenant fleet that arrived at reach was small so they're saying it's itty bitty yeah and well i guess that was like the initial one that came in because again the book says it was just one gigantic fleet but mm-hmm. it's like we had tiers of fleets coming in and it makes now. sense i mean especially like Depending on where their jump is, how long it's going to take them to get there. Mm-hmm. It, it builds up, I suppose. Yeah. We also have Cortana on the planet during the invasion. Mm-hmm. And then the lack of defenses around the planet. Because, like, as we know, there was orbital macrounds that they could have had. Mm-hmm. Plenty of other options. And we just well, yeah. didn't see any of that. Well, when it's it's the, the military planet for the UNSC, mm-hmm. that's why in the book it was, you know, more telling about, like, this grand war. But it seemed just like... Uh, a one-sided right fight, yeah. Yeah, it um, seems like they have one major carrier, and you're like, well, every other UNSC thing in space is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, you know, to wrap all this up, so to this day, fans will not let it down how much lore Bungie would twist and turn when it came to writing the story for Halo Reach. Many fans have written their own version of Reach to make it canonically sound. One notable one being Horospects of Hell's Reimagining the Fall a Halo Reach retcon. Some fans won't even consider Halo Reach canon. There's even a website called HaloReach.IsNotCanon.net dedicated to their disdain for the story. That's a that's a that's dedication. <laughs> no matter who you are, I don't get how you can be that mad about this. I don't. Or that bored. <laughs> how do you have that much you time gotta on be, your hands? You got to be equal parts easily. You're right. Equal parts bored, out of work. And hate Halo Reach. (laughs) I like it. So, since Halo Reach's release, Frank O'Connor has stated that 343 Industries isn't afraid to tamper with the lore for the sake of the game. Keeping to Bungie's belief that the game's canon and lore come before anything else above all else. So we gotta remember, guys, games come first. Like, I personally don't see too many issues with the lore they changed for Reach. I personally don't. And my thing with it, too, as long as it makes sense, mm-hmm. like, it's not just like, oh, we just wrote that in there because we wanted those people to be there. But it's like we needed to change it so the story would flow better or that mm-hmm. someone who didn't read the books mm-hmm. could jump into this and be like, OK, OK, they're there. Yeah. They're getting this thing. That makes sense. They're getting A to Z type. Thing. Yeah. Do you know what you do when you try to follow the lore too closely? You get Halo 5. So, yeah. You know, take what you can, guys. So now let's move on to cut material, ideas and concepts that were supposed to be in the game, even some stuff that was in production but was ultimately cut. So the first thing I want to start out with is unused armor abilities. So we have the ammo pack. Battlefield. Oh, what? Are you? 
I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you the games. Uh, oh, the games that they came from that they ripped these off from. Yeah, yeah. Oh, let's just okay, go with that. okay. The Power Fist, a different game. <laughs> <laughs> one and one. Yep. The Repulsor. Uh, oh, that's the that's the other one. The Sensor Pack. Call of Duty. Call of Duty. What's the Sensor Pack? I assume it's just uh, UAV. Okay. The Super Jump. Mario. <laughs> <laughs> EMP Pulse. Sci-Fi in general. Sci-Fi in general. Just stole it. And then the Shield Generator. Uh, it's from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because <laughs> they generate agents. So, of course, as you know, we also, you know, the SMGs were completely cut. Mm-hmm. The carbine was cut along or with... carbine. Carbine, yeah. yeah. Along with the BR. The Brute Mauler was cut. The Hornets, additionally, were cut, which, unfortunate, they were only ever in one game before they mm-hmm. were cut. And then we had multiplayer space battles. That's so, fine. <laughs> so Bungie was well into development of space battles for multiplayer, but pulled the plug realizing they didn't have the time or manpower to pull it off the way that fans wouldn't hate it, essentially. I, I love that. Like, we need to do this so people don't hate it. They don't have to like it. Yeah. They just have to go, well, that didn't suck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but going back, because it was the director, I'm, I'm trying to remember last episode, of Crimson Skies. Was oh, the director uh, of them? Uh, uh, he, he had just worked on uh, Surge, Surge Merrill. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Crimson Skies, like I said, Crimson Skies was a great game, mm-hmm. and so I think if you got that multiplayer aspect, which is a big part of that, mm-hmm. it probably would have been great, mm-hmm. but such a weird addition to have. Yeah, especially for Halo, because we still don't have that. Like, I think that's kind of a very untouched thing that we probably won't ever have. Yeah, and, and at that time, you probably had a lot more flight sim space battles kind of coming mm-hmm. out, so it kind of mm-hmm. made sense. So I'm glad they didn't, because then you don't have to try and throw gimmicky stuff in future games. Yeah, to, to keep keep your go par with the course. Exactly. With it, essentially. Yeah. So another thing is two two of my favorites. We had a space squirrel and mm-hmm. a porcupine. Nice. Two wildlife creatures that were eventually cut. Oh, okay. I was uh, I was going to question that. I was wondering, are those UNSC vehicles or actual animals? Because <laughs> a space squirrel, that's what you need. <laughs> and then, of course, from ODST, visor mode was cut. And then we have two... Armor sets, which was the Condemned and Preserve class Mjolnir armor sets. And originally, both of them were going to be available in the Defiant map pack. People have found some of the files within the disc, along with some screenshots that were released with the Condemned helmet. So I I was kind of surprised that we didn't get more armor post-release of Reach, but I can understand. Boarding Enemies and Firefight was also cut out of the game. There was also going to be a firefight mode called Schism Mode, where you were placed in between the the Covenant battling each other. Oh, that's pretty cool. Which I thought would have been really cool. Buggers were initially cut out of firefight, and Gutas, or the mule, the... Uh, the, the Oh, wow. The one thing we see for five mm-hmm. seconds was cut from firefight. Wow. It, it was going to be in firefight. and That honestly would have been the only place it would have been good. Yeah, I, th- I think that would have worked really well. Mm-hmm. So the sniper rifle... Originally had a laser sight, but a f- you know they just weren't able to dial it down because I saw some videos of it. It wasn't lining up with your reticle at all. So that's fine. So then vehicles exploding on their own. Vehicles now only explode by an like player or enemy damage. So instead of you just like running into a wall or something like you you have to do something like run into battle or someone has to like keep firing at it. Or throw a grenade or anything for it to actually yeah you, you can get down to like one percent running mm-hmm. into a wall but then as soon as someone just like a needler at you you blow mm-hmm. up yeah I've seen I've seen a video of a guy who just threw a grenade 
at the vehicle. It didn't explode, but just hit the vehicle, and then the video explode. The video explodes. I like that. (laughs) I like that. You know what I meant. So also, Emil was originally going to have a black visor. Mm -hmm. I thought that would look cool. The flashlight was cut out, though it never made it past the concept phase. The idea was replaced with night vision, which has the same clicking noise when activated as the combat evolved flashlight. Bring it over to Alex's side. We have the arms on the forklift were originally able to go up and down, but they could have been able to launch Gouda into space. Yeah, there was a bug and I guess they couldn't fix it. So they just... Listen here. <laughs> cut out if, the arms. If This is ahead in years. Not by many. <laughs> but if Skyrim can leave the bug in where giants launch you into space. I should have been able to launch Gutas into space with a forklift. Yeah, yeah. All I'm saying. <laughs> uh, the Skira battle in the tip of the spear, which would have been pretty awesome, but mm-hmm. YouTuber General Kid found hidden audio files with the dialogue from the Scarab battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we never really got any Scarab combat yeah, in we, this game. We had a cutscene of quote-unquote battle. Yeah, and then <laughs> you have to drive by two of them in a mongoose. Other than that, that's it. Mm-hmm. Watercraft combat and level. Yep, I know this is your favorite. Oh, it's great. So we have Half-Life 2. <laughs> Reach would have featured a level where the player could go back and forth from using a boat in a swamp-like area to using a warthog. After six months, Bungie would scrap this concept. And since then, Marcus Leto had been trying to get water combat in Halo since 1998. So like, mm-hmm. this was his last, like, please? Yeah, because he came on working on, well, I think Marathon, but he was one of the first guys to ever work on Halo. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, in 97, 98, he was trying to put water combat in there. Unfortunate. (laughs) Maybe we'll get it. Probably not. We also had Hunter Assassinations was a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So they wanted to attempt that, which been, once again, it's one of those things, would have been cool, but also didn't need it. Yeah. Giant's prototype, though it's unclear what these quote-unquote giants would have been, but at PAX 2010, Bungie would release footage of brute chieftains who would appear larger than hunters. Players would have been able to jump on their back and melee them to death. So, kind of like a Rangor, I guess? Yeah, something. Like uh, you, It would have been... See, here's the thing. I'm glad it's not. It would have probably been just like a button sequence. Uh, it was like Gigamax versions of Pokemon. Yeah. That's essentially what it was. They get big, they blow up, and then you battle them, and then they die. Well, I mean, we did see that in... Elite Spartan. So that's all that matters. <laughs> we would have also had global battles. These battles would be even more open and grand than what was even presented in Reach. Yeah, I'm not under like I'm not hundred percent sure what the global battles were, but I just know that what they showed at PAX in two thousand ten was just these giant vistas and like like say you were in a city, you were seeing the city collapse below you or you know, in front of you, you were seeing vehicles left and right. Mm-hmm. Like It would have been really, really So much cool. more of a huge, huge, huge battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, but it's still out there, 343, if you want to just patch this in, we have both rideable Moas mm-hmm. and rideable Gutas, mm-hmm. which once again would have made it important of why we have the Gutas even in the game at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, with the Moas, they had a model that you could ride mm-hmm. and you could joust on it. So it basically became joust the game yeah like well you know it, w- it would have been like an easter egg like when you have a race mm-hmm. in that level it would have been the same thing like you could joust with other players it would have been great but and then on the rideable guta so originally enemy elites grunts and even spartans could ride it but when the covenant would ride them they were going to have shoulder mounted cannons mm-hmm. so kind of getting lord of the ringsy star wars you'd say gimmicky mm-hmm. gutas could be assassinated by crawling up their back and shoving a grenade in their mouth so it's it's doom. Yeah, we're starting to see some doom elements here. And I was like, ooh, here we go. And then 
continuing on from our, our, our beautiful Gutenness, there was originally supposed to be a mission after New Alexandria where the player would drive a scarab around the destroyed glass city. Mm-hmm. Would have been cool. Yeah, I mean, I think it was like to escape New Alexandria because it was after Cat had died. Mm-hmm. Always, Bungie was always wanting to get the players to control scarabs. I don't know why. It would have been cool, but it's still one of those big kind of clunky things mm-hmm. that I think people would have gotten angry at a lot. And you probably mm-hmm. would have run into so many clipping bugs of mm-hmm. like, all right, that leg was not supposed to go across that rock in that way. And now mm-hmm. the scarab is upside down 50 feet in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We also had a bit of a reduction in the game. So we got some nerfs. Mm-hmm. Jump height and player speed was reduced. Yep. People originally saw that in the beta. Which I think is fine. You don't, mm-hmm. need to, you don't need to jump to the moon. Yeah, and plus they're Spartan 3s. If you want to look at it, canonically, they're smaller than Spartan 2s and weaker. Mm-hmm. And finally, a lot of additional dialogue was cut from the game. The files do still remain on the disk, so it's still available if you data mine. Mm-hmm. That ex- and these files expanded the story of Reach and the invasion from the Covenant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you go on YouTube and dig, a lot of people have already revealed them. And it's all just mainly just conversation between Noble Team. But I, mm-hmm. it, it's still really interesting to see some insight more into the battle itself and the invasion. Yeah. So now let's move on to achievements. Halo Reach would include 69 achievements with, oh, a, to- yeah. <laughs> with a total of 1,700 gamer score. The base game included 49 achievements with additional DLC packs containing 20 achievements and 700 gamer score. Multiplayer achievements would also be reduced in order to give the new achievements a better likelihood of players getting them. It makes we had those, sense. Those Vidoc challenges in Halo 3 and, and ODST mm-hmm. that were just murder to get. And they were. And like I think people now would like more of that. Like the challenge mm-hmm. of like whether it be like mm-hmm. a speedrunning type thing, because obviously we have par time, par scores type stuff, but mm-hmm. like putting more of a grind into yeah. it. So I mean, I've never been an achievement guy, so I, I don't care either way, but I can see both sides. Yeah, because I, I, I loved it growing up, getting to 360 mm-hmm. and be like, oh, you have achievements, and I'm like, I need to get all of these. <laughs> cool. You've told me you're a completionist, so that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, but of course, you know, you have your standard ones that are that are campaign missions where, you know, you can just, like, a monument to all your sins, complete each campaign mission on Legendary alone. I've uh, never done that, or even with a friend. But some easy ones, make it drizzle, which is purchase any item from the armory. Doctor, doctor, which is use a health pack to recover life after taking body damage. So, yeah, you, you, they did make a lot of these pretty easy. And then you had ones for each mission. Yeah, because they had a lot of them that, that was your traditional Halo, like you said. Each mm-hmm. mission had one, beating on heroic, normal, yada, yada for those. And then each mission had, like, a little Easter egg thing to find or to do, like, mm-hmm. kill Seven Moas, kill the um, Elite Zealot before you escapes, mm-hmm. you know, hijack a Banshee. So there's plenty of them in there that still gave you a reason to kind of replay. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really what people—around this time, people really started to understand that achievements make games so much more replayable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, especially the, uh, the hijack a Banshee. Mm-hmm. That took me probably two hours to do. Because um, I did in the new Alexandria one, and you have to time jumping out of a Falcon and falling right on onto a Banshee. And at one point, I think it auto saved, so I kept just falling. It, it auto saved as I was out of the Falcon, oof. and so I had to spend like a half hour finding which way to steer to actually do it. It was horrible. But you also have ones like Skunked when a game of invasion in the first phase, and, and various other ones. You also have ones every time you rank up for a good amount of time. Uh, earn a Killianaire medal in Firefight, and then along with getting some scores up to a million points in Firefight on any map. 
And then, of course, Noble Noble Map Pack came with some. Defiant Map Pack came with some, and so did the Anniversary Map Pack. So mm-hmm. overall, I'd say I tried to complete a lot of these, and I think these had some really creative, fun ones, honestly. And I loved these. Yeah, and it's really what brought it. And that brings us over to Multiplayer, which carries a lot of these new achievements from those Map Packs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so since Halo 2, Halo remained one of the most played titles on Xbox Live. Even during Halo Reach's development, Halo 2 still had an active community of online players. We talked about that in our Halo 2 episode. Mm-hmm. Even though only 20% of the Halo Reach team was working on multiplayer, Bungie wanted to make the multiplayer the most ambitious, expansive, and grandest one yet for a Halo title. This would lead to the introduction of armor abilities. Armor abilities allow Bungie to avoid implementing a class system in a way, which is which I think works. Yeah. They wanted the player to be able to switch abilities during a match instead of being stuck with a class long term. Bungie also stated that the introduction of armor abilities came from asking themselves, what would we find interesting in multiplayer? Which I guess you should probably ask every time. You do. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time they ever asked that. And they're like, they're wait, like, we just put a bunch of stuff together before. But what if we made it interesting? What do we want in yeah. the game? <laughs> Armor abilities were also introduced to help retain a more casual audience mm-hmm. of Halo players. And for the most part, it seemed to work. Mm-hmm. Jeff Huang's study, Influence of Gameplay on Skill in Halo Reach, would show that players who hadn't previously played Halo Reach would start less skilled than the most hardcore crowd, but they were able to gain skill as quickly as the hardcore players and would be able to keep up with them. Mm-hmm. So Luke Smith even helped with the development of the multiplayer. Producer Alan Murray and game director Marcus Leto needed someone to work on a reward system for the game. Murray asked Luke Smith to help out, leading to the armor customization, commendations, credit system, etc. And remember, Luke Smith started out just being the guy to talk to people on forums. Mm-hmm. And this right here eventually led him to be the creative director of Destiny 2. Whether or not that's a good thing is beyond me, but I'd still say it's pretty cool. You go yeah. from game journalism and one up to that. Mm-hmm. So instant hit would also be reintroduced in Halo Reach from Halo 2, scrapping the real-time bullets from Halo 3. Additionally, base encounters between two players would be lengthened. Mm-hmm. Now, Bungie also truly wanted to differentiate the elites and the Spartans came to the multiplayer. The elites now tower over the Spartans and don't require health packs to regenerate. Additionally, Spartan shields take longer to regenerate. Elites would also move almost as quick as a Spartan using sprint without any armor abilities. Now, players were given the option to create a psych profile for themselves for Reach's servers to best fit a player in a game that they'll truly enjoy. Options for this customization were muting other players, lone wolf or a team player, play to win or just having fun, or polite or rowdy. I do remember that. I remember mm-hmm. them trying to like have this system in place of like, do I want to be abused by 12-year-olds in Xbox Live, or do I just want to have some fun? Yeah, I just love polite or rowdy, which means uh, are they insulting your mom yes. or saying good game? 100%. <laughs> Even though Halo Reach was Bungie's last Halo title, a team from Bungie would continue support for the game and the community post-launch. Yeah, so... Obviously, with some bug fixes, updates, mm-hmm. some balancing issues. Well, three four three couldn't come in immediately afterwards when they didn't help really that much they'd on have development. To re- they'd, yeah, they have to relearn the entire coding sequence mm-hmm. they had to build it, and like, okay, let's implement this new bug check that we've never worked on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this brings us over to game types. So yeah. we're going to introduce a lot of the new ones that have come in, mm-hmm. giving a synopsis on them. 
give you a little breakdown. To start, we have Invasion. Invasion is a three-tier objective game type pitting Spartans against Elites. The main objective is for either the Spartan team or Elite team to invade the opponent's base, to steal a core, and take it to an exiting dropship. Invasion originally was going to be a three teams of nine. Yeah, so So three on three on three type thing. Yeah, and I, I, I think I speak for a lot of people to say Invasion is one of the more popular game types, I think, to ever come from Halo that isn't like SWAT or Capture the Flag or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really fun and it's really addictive. Yeah. Then we have Headhunters. Each player would collect a skull when they killed another player, so a la Call of Duty, Mm -hmm. Battle Theory, collecting dog tags, Mm -hmm. along with any additional skulls they might be carrying at the time and would have to take them to a specific point. That point would change throughout the map as the game went on. Once a player cashed in 25 skulls, they would win. So yeah, it's kind of like collecting other dog tags Mm -hmm. to kind of cash, or any of those games where you collect a thing, you cash it in, if you die, you drop it all, that Mm -hmm. opponent now gets whatever chunk you had. Next we have Arena. Arena is Bungie's answer to the age-old question, who is the best of the best? It's a series of playlists tailored to competitive play. In Halo 3, the skill curve would be decelerated for a better sense of progression. The player would be assessed game over game in Halo Reach to move their true skill at a normal rate. After a month, the player will be put into a division. So very similar to what we're seeing like, like seasons now. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of games kind of have that mm-hmm. built up. And a lot of this was from the mind of Luke Smith. I, I do want to say that. Yeah, and I, I think they really did help to push for the idea of seasons and, and, and play ranks and stuff mm-hmm. like that to really mm-hmm. push competitive. Mm-hmm. The end of each month or season, the slate is cleared and the player must work once again for their rank. So like we were saying. Players are also ranked by percentages in their tier, and players could rank in Onyx, Gold, Silver, and Steel tiers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Onyx being top dog. Mm -hmm. So we got something like that with Platinum, Mm -hmm. Grandmasters, stuff like that. Something I I never really participated in, because like, oh, I wouldn't even rank at all. I'd be horrible with this. Listen, I'm a true Overwatch player. (laughs) I've played about four of the 20 seasons thus far. (laughs) That's what I do. All right, so moving on, we have chess. Now, this game type is available in Forge that allows players to play a game of chess. Mm-hmm. It's kind of tedious, though, because to make a move, you have to physically go into the Spartan or Elite and walk over and then, like, assassinate the person you're taking out instead of just letting the AI do it. Yeah. It's a, like Godspeed to anyone who actually has stuck through a game of chess doing that. Because I love chess, but not that much. That's when you're desperate for some chess. You have, like, a... like. You got to get your fix, and you're like, this is all I got. We're doing it. (laughs) Uh, I bought Halo Reach because I heard there's a chess mode on here. Like, I need to do it. Mm -hmm. So then we have Stockpile. So this game was a new twist on the popular Capture the Flag game type. Two teams would have to collect neutral flags scattered throughout the map and bring them back to their base. Every minute, the flags collected would count towards the overall score, and new flags would respawn. So I I, I like that they were also putting some spins on some old things. Mm -hmm. So then we had Generator Defense. This firefight mode would pit elites against Spartans, with Spartans defending generators and elites working with Covenant AIs to take the generators out. And we talked about this in our Infection episode. We have Infection. So Halo Reach would be the first Halo game with a dedicated Infection game type year-round. So then finally we have Covenant Slayer. Standard Slayer. But only with elites. Ooh, so standard Slayer, but worse. <laughs> I love playing. I love playing as elites. You know this. Yep. I'm always the dinosaur in game night. Uh, yeah, everybody knows. And one thing that I know that a lot of people have focused on, whether it's in griping about it or you know trying to grind it out themselves, is the ranking system. 
Halo Reach introduced a whole new ranking system based off of credits and military ranks. Players could earn credits from playing anything in the game, including the campaign, multiplayer, firefight, forge, and even custom games. Mm -hmm. Players would earn additional credits from medals, commendations, victory bonuses, and weekly and daily challenges. For a player to reach max rank of Inheritor, you know, know, the usual military ranking. (laughs) It kind of splits off after a while. I know. They will have to earn 20 million credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I only ever got to, I think, general grade three or four. Nice. I think I got to corporal. Well, I mean, of course, you know, it starts with recruit. I did not play this a lot. <laughs> and then you go private. And then at corporal, it starts to actually break it down by grades, grade one, mm-hmm. grade two. I think it's after field marshal. They start to just give you hero, legend, mythic, noble, eclipse, nova. Forerunner, Reclaimer, and Inheritor. So, as you had said before we started recording, you're like, yeah, they just kind of threw words in there after a while because they didn't know what else to do. Hey, it's fine. I mean, more power to them. They could have stopped over at, like, General and Field Marshal and just been, mm-hmm. oh, this is what you are. Mm-hmm. But now it's kind of getting more of the Halo-iness of it. Mm-hmm. Like Inheritor. You've, yeah, you've a, you are a true Forerunner at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, from rank recruit to warrant officer grade three, the credits to rank up would seem evenly spaced out with small increases in credits to achieve the next rank. But from warrant officer grade three to captain, the required amount of credits would double. This was due to the fact that Luke Smith would claim that this was a mistake made on his part, saying, quote, You learn from a lot of super smart folks and make a bunch of goofy mistakes along the way, and you uh, kind of like, you know... There's some Miss Zero in the credit tuning for the original Halo Reach that I still feel bad about, where it made some rank way the F too long, and it was because I fat-fingered a Zero or something. We didn't patch the game. We shipped it, and we were done with it. Now, I have a few things to say about that quote. For starters, if you look at the difference, so the difference is, you know, Warrant Officer Grade 3 is 144,000, and then Captain is 210,000. There's no way pressing one wrong number, I don't think, would change that drastically. I'm pretty sure it was intentional. And additionally, Luke Smith said, we just shipped it and we were done with it. That's not true. Like, Bungie had their hands on that game for like 10 months, I think. So I think from that quote, I I think it was just Luke Smith trying to take some credit over something that... I mean, maybe they did make a mistake, but there's no way they didn't notice if, if it really was a mistake, you know? Yeah, because the next time... So it's a 70,000 credit jump. Mm-hmm. The next time you see that is... Let's just double check that. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 15 more ranks until you see anything jump over... 70,000. Yeah, it was absolutely intentional, I think, because it was, it was on a, a, a podcast from Kind of Funny, I think. So I think he was just saying some stuff to try to be like, oh, I've made mistakes too. Look what I did, because mm-hmm. this was all me. You're like, you're really saying you typed that in, no one double checked, and then even afterwards you're claiming that no one patched the game, which is absolutely false. There were patches made to that game. Yeah. Uh, whatever. But now we have the maps. Yeah, so so after... after uh... We figure out a little bit about those ranks and why people really, <laughs> really hate them. Uh, we jump over to the maps. Halo Reach would be the first game to heavily feature Forge-created maps, along with maps taken from the campaign. We talked about this a little earlier. Mm-hmm. You can pretty much see, I think it is pretty much every map within the campaign at mm-hmm. some point. You 
make your way through a portion of it. Yep. The base game came with 13 multiplayer maps, seven from the campaign, five created in Forge, and only one that was created specifically for multiplayer, but not in Forge. Mm -hmm. The maps that are in the campaign were done so to help expand the story of that area in multiplayer. And I think, for the most part, even if you're not a fan of the maps per se, I thought that was such a cool inclusion Mm -hmm. that you got to explore that entire section within the campaign and get an idea Mm -hmm. of it and get a reason why it's tied in without having to read flavor text of like, oh, this is a covenant base thing or this is, you Mm -hmm. know, this and another It's like, we know because we were there. Yeah. The maps featured in the campaign were made first for multiplayer, then strategically placed in the campaign. Marcus Leto said that this was, quote, a big pain in the butt. I don't know if we'd do it again if this game was done over. Yeah, so as cool as it was, they were they were not having a good time doing it. Mm-hmm. So let's start breaking down the maps. And, it's, you know, for the most part, as we said, you see a lot of these maps in the campaign. So there's not too much to cover, but we're still going to cover them. Mm-hmm. So first we have Boardwalk. New Alexandria civilian concourses provide access to rapid transit and views of Reach's serene vistas. As you know, we passed through this beginning New Alexandria and this map recommends two to eight players. So, uh, so it's small, mediish. Yeah, and it's basically anywhere from from objective or slayer game types. Mm-hmm. It's, I played a lot of SWAT on here. Uh, this map is also seen in the GameStop commercial for unlockable armor. So you know, one of the first maps that we're kind of seeing within the market marketing and whatnot at the beginning of this mission. You know, we saw a lot of civilian dead bodies and and falcons and long swords overhead. They clearly cut all that out because I think it would put a damper on multiplayer if you're just like walking around. There's dead bodies and that teddy bear everywhere. If only. <laughs> then we have Boneyard, which is once again one of the OG maps that we kind of talked about. That mm-hmm. was one of the first to kind of come out and play with. Mm-hmm. The once formidable Commonwealth awaits its final destination at one of the UNSC's ship-breaking facilities. Mm-hmm. This map is based off of the Sinoviet ship-breaking facility from the mission The Package. Mm-hmm. So it's already went through it. Um, it's a big old map, and it's recommended for 12 to 16 players, so mm-hmm. it's a big team. You know, Or if you want to get lost with a friend and never find them, you can do a 1v1. Yeah. That's usually what I did. That, that could be the worst game of all time, but by mm-hmm. all means. And the layout of Boneyard... It, vaguely resembles kind of Sidewinder, Avalanche, so kind of like this big kind of two-parter coming mm-hmm. together, almost an L mm-hmm. shape coming to it. Yeah, and you were also able to jump off of a cliff and survive. If you were to do the evade, it wouldn't snap you out of it, so you could mm-hmm. just keep falling and falling and falling and falling off the side. So just be super fun. <laughs> yeah, that was something, one of the more interesting things to come out of the beta. So also, this was inspired by... Uh, modern day graveyards in Bangladesh, which I always thought was interesting. Yeah, we saw that with like Voy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they definitely like to look to real time architecture, which is always crazy because it's what, 500 years in the future, but they're still referencing modern day stuff. Yeah, it's great. Like keep a little bit of that kind of cultural impact to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we have Countdown. It was only a matter of time before even the most clandestine UNSC operations were thrust into the public eye, like those Spartan 3s that were already there. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you know, this is the Sabre launch facility from mm-hmm. Long Night of Solace. Again, uh, two to ten players. Typically, you're going to be doing slay or objection-based stuff, again, based uh, game type. So it's a lot of them were kind of smaller maps made for that. So, of course, this level's name is referenced to 
the setting itself yeah. because the ships undergo a countdown. Uh, lazy naming, Bungie. So, lazy. So clever. That's why this game sucks. Am I right? I'm, I'm joking, by the way, guys. I love this game. So then we have Asylum, which is our first Forge map that we're going to be talking about. This mysterious structure's modern-day purpose is a timeless, bloody testament to its sanctimonious past. Now, a lot of these maps about, but what would we say, about half of these maps are Forge maps? Yeah, yes, because there was, what, 751? I think so. 65, hold on. Something like that. But But it's because, I think it's because they kind of shot themselves in the foot when it came to implementing those multiplayer maps into the campaign, and mm-hmm. maybe they wanted to do more. But eventually, you know, we have about half of these maps are Forge maps. So this one is a remake of Sanctuary from Halo 2, recommended 2 to 10 players, and it recommends Slayer and Infection game types. Or just Rockets. Or just Rockets, because that's always fun, too. Oh, yeah. Next we have Hemorrhage, uh, another Forge map. Mm-hmm. Many call this curious gorge their grave. But early inhabitants left only these outposts behind in memoriam. Another big boy. Uh, this is about 8 to 16 players. Obviously, you want to play some big team, mm-hmm. some capture the big, flag. Big team battle. This is an OG map for big team battle, oh, for yeah. sure. Way to go. So if you look kind of around at the map, you can tell that a lot of it was kind of based on Halo 2's coagulation mm-hmm. or blood gulch or kind mm-hmm. of, you know, every other option you kind of want to take with this map. Well, well, we even learned recently uh, from our from a Discord member that that's kind of like there's lore to that, that every Halo ring is going to have that exact layout as a map. So it kind of makes sense why you always see that one iconic map return. And it's great, too, because whoever discovers it, just like, all right. New blood term. <laughs> Hemorrhage. We've used blood gulch. We've used coagulation. Bleeding. Hemorrhage. Blood. Uh, internal bleeding. I don't know. It'll be great. <laughs> and if you are a red versus blue fan, you know that this was kind of the Reach Forge introduction was done on this map. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the big throwbacks to Blood Gulch and, mm-hmm. you know, the w- kind of like, why are we here type thing. Yeah, because they were the ones that introduced the new Forge mode with a video on that map. Mm-hmm. And finally... The description of hemorrhage is a reference to Valhalla. You know, it talks about a curious gorge. So mm-hmm, yeah. going back to kind of our Halo 3 options with Valhalla, a.k.a. just the man cannon to the middle map. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So then we have Paradiso, another forge map. From on high, this artifice appears to be an island of paradise, but only under close scrutiny is its true purpose revealed. So 8 to 16 players... Uh, th- this is a fun one, another big one where you're going to be doing a lot of big teams battles. Well, and if I remember correctly from playing this, like there's a bunch of vehicle options for this one too. Uh, a huge vehicle map, mm-hmm. always. And then this is the one from correct has the giant mountain at top where you will always find one person sniping, and then one of your teammates will come up and just push you off the edge. Oh yeah. And if you miss one of those ledges, you just die. That's worth it. <laughs> I like it. And next we have Pinnacle, another forge map. Mm-hmm. Even untold centuries of abandonment and neglect failed to stall the smooth operation of this ancient relay station. Mm. It's almost a rhyme. I like that. (laughs) Uh, This is a medium boy, uh, four to eight, typically playing Slayer, Zombies, maybe some Oddball, kind of anything between it even can kind of be a quote-unquote competitive number of players Mm -hmm. to kind of play together, which I like. One big thing with Pinnacle is you're seeing that, of course, it's a remake of Ascension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a handful of these maps are remakes because I think that probably helped some time crunch because you got to think it was 20% of the Halo team, which is a Halo Reach team, mm-hmm. which was about 130 employees, 
we're working on multiplayer. Well, so. And factor in, it's fan service. People mm-hmm. want a lot of these maps back. Like, mm-hmm. everyone really enjoyed Ascension. You really enjoy a lot of these maps. And mm-hmm. it's just, it makes sense to bring it back. Same thing with Lockout. Mm-hmm. Getting a redo with 3. Mm-hmm. Like, I think 3 and 4 have it, if I'm thinking correctly. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Or just correct me, because you always correct me. Everybody in the chat. Yeah. Correct us. Chat, whatever. We're whatever, not experts. Whatever we're doing. We're doing a podcast. Make me right. <laughs> But yeah, so then we have the cage. Analysis reveals that this structure once accommodated a wide variety of sentient species. To what end remains unknown. Uh, to interrupt real quick, I also want an audience vote. Who reads these better? Who? You, obviously, well, but well, we still got to vote. Listen, I can't vote for myself. Do you like, really that's... want me to get radio voice with this? Because I yes. can. I can. Please do. All right. Hashtag radio voice. The, the next one I will. But according to Bungie, the cage is a carny box. It's a lockout on steroids because Chris Carney really, really liked this one. I think he lockout's great. Yeah, it is because that's where we do fun, right? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, fun. Beautiful two v two map. Whatever you want to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four to eight players and Slayer and Infection game types. I've done a lot of Infection on here and a lot of SWAT. So next we have Powerhouse. Are you ready for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and read this one. I'm gonna screw this up. Let's do it. I like it. This is also one take, so I'm going to make sure that Jesse doesn't cut this. He has to say it one take. (laughs) Hydroelectric plants like this one provide clean, sustainable energy for the inhabitants of Reach. Wow, that was was a lot of drama in that. (laughs) Oh, minor dramatic. Whatever. There's no drama at all. (laughs) Go on. Tell us about powerhouse and then of course (laughs) the map is based off of a hydroelectric facility from the campaign mission tip of the spear though compared to the campaign it's set during the day because really you don't investigate this map almost at all Mm -hmm. in the campaign this is one of the few where they really like the main stuff that happens in the campaign is off to the edge of the initial map Uh, of course recommends two to twelve players and for a while in development it was known as settlement and the art style and environmental layout is very similar to Halo 3's high ground mm-hmm. multiplayer level. So I thought that was really interesting. And if you go down the waterfall... So this, is a, this is a hashtag little secret fun. Yeah, secret fun. Uh, you'll find a spot on the rocks where you could be killed by the barriers. And your radar will say, Voya con Dios. I, I like that. We're going to keep that saying, Voya con Dios. As I order some salsa. <laughs> How would you say it? Vaya con Dios. Vaya con Dios, which means go with God. There you go. Very, uh, sometimes they get morbid. I love the morbid bungee Easter eggs. I love those so much. Yeah, it's true. I really enjoy a lot of like, the marathon stuff they've had in there and, mm-hmm. and just a couple of little, little cheeky ones. I will say, I don't think there's as many Easter eggs in the multiplayer maps in Halo Reach mm-hmm. than there are at Halo 3. Because we did... You, we get, a lot, you about, get a lot less uh-huh. as the games went through. I think we spent, like, what, an hour on our Halo 3 episode just talking about a bunch of the Easter eggs versus oh, I mean, now. Yeah, even in CE2, they had, like, just mm-hmm. whether it be words in the sky or kind of had to wait for a specific tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's plenty of it there. Mm-hmm. Next, we have Reflection. Reach's elite makes business with pleasure, building lavish penthouses atop soaring corporate ivory towers. Okay, that description is a little silly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so this map is based off of the Sinoviet HM tower in New Alexandria. So it's when you're kind of going through that tower of all, like the kind of apartment complexes, like mm-hmm. the center building for it. Well, I mean, it's a quote-unquote spiritual remake to Halo 2's Ivory Tower. Yeah. So, so it's, an, got, it's an idea on it, which is cool. It's another meaty, meaty boy map, four to eight. Yeah. 
Well, I think it was cool that they were like, how can we put Ivory Tower in the campaign? And then let's put it in a, in a mission where you're going to individual buildings with different kinds of architecture. As you said, like th- that move was genius. I think it was really cool. It was perfect. Um, here, if we want a uh, hashtag morbid fact, you can shoot and kill all the koi in the koi pond. Mm, but don't do that. I mean, don't do that. Do what you want. Have but... you ever seen The Office? They're expensive. You fall, you kill one, it's like 200 <laughs> bucks. It's very true. That's my office reference for the episode, folks. Just an FYI. I like it. But then next we have Spire. I gotta do. I gotta do our, our my 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 dramatic reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and fix that flub. Do that dramatic reading real quick. Spire, shielding infantry from aerial assault. These massive spires force the Covenant foes to fight on deadly ground. So, of course, as we know, I like that your sultry voice is just kind of quieter it's not kind of quieter i mean i will say at least you're saying i have a voice for radio i'll take that so of course as we know this was pulled from tip of the spear recommends 8 to 16 players you know many invasion matches can be done on this and this map uses kind of reverse invasion style is that this is a map where spartans are attacking the zangheili mm-hmm. while they're defending so this is always a really fun one we've done this a few times in game night been super fun this is the one where you can jump off the top of the spire and they have like those those jet barriers at the ground that Mm -hmm. you bounce off of so you don't die sometimes you do miss them though but this is also one of the handful of maps and correct me if i'm wrong one of the very very few you're you'll get a falcon which Mm -hmm. i think it always great gameplay for this map it's great i I love vehicle maps it's because for me like vehicles are so gimmicky and fun Mm -hmm. like it didn't really require skill, which is what I love. So it's just fun to play. <laughs> it, well, especially since they took the gun off of the Falcon, so it's only your your co-pilot. Yeah, your, co-pilot, your, your people yeah, on the sides. Yeah, who are, who are going to be shooting. Mm-hmm. Now we have Sword Base. Before Winter Contingency was okay. declared, only spooks kept themselves occupied in this remote installation. So if it's, you know, not right in your face to begin with, uh, this is obviously based off of Oni Sword Base. From the mission Oni Sword Base, so. Mm-hmm. So you're there with it. It's it's a, a a tiny mead boy. Really is. I mean, it's got a lot of layers, too. It's got three, I think, total hmm? levels to it. I, In my opinion, other than Boneyard, this might be the best map out of Halo Reach. It's great. It's, it's for two to eight. So it's crazy that you get that much in the map but mm-hmm. still be such a small, tight, concise mm-hmm. map, which I really enjoyed with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, even the the uh, man cannon or whatever you want, the grav lift in the center, mm-hmm. like, you can, if you hit that thing just right running, you can get on, the uh, like, a third-story ledge there. This map was just super creative. It had a lot put into it. There was so many different strategies that you could use. I love this map. I, I have mean, you too know, many it, fond memories of it. It is Oni, so, it you is. know, <laughs> you got to figure there's something cool in there. You got to figure out ways to get the hell out of Dodge when uh, stuff gets a little hot, you know? Yep, when Winter Soldier comes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now we have Zealot. This is really the only map, if I'm correct, that was initially released with the base game that is not Forge and not Campaign mm-hmm. at all. So... Covenant vessels like the ardent. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. Sorry, go, 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 go. Do it. Covenant vessels like the ardent prayer are the prelude to devastation. The full fleet can visit upon a planet. Why'd you put that pause there? Because I, I messed up reading it. I like it though. That was good. That was more dramatic. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. So you know, this, this map was first seen with uh, Halo Reach, Vidoc, Carnage, Carnival, Carnival. Sure. 
but it wasn't in the multiplayer beta. So I think a lot of people were expecting it because we saw that in that Vidoc. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that it's a remake of Midship. It is. Uh, no, 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 no. It is. If anything, it's a spiritual remake. Yes, yes. It's a, a spiritual spir- remake. We, we pretty much did the layout the same. We kind of built it the same. It's definitely not Midship, but... I've always been confused why they say something... They, they do to differentiate between, they're like, this is a remake or this is a spiritual remake. I think it's kind of the way of saying if it's a remake, it pretty much shares the exact same assets to a point. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Lockout had mm-hmm. a remake. Yeah. But then when you get to four and you get that... But then when you get to four and you get kind of the oil rig outside one, I don't mm-hmm. remember what the map's called, but you get the kind of the oil rig one that's a spiritual successor. It is a mm-hmm. remake in a way, but it's fully redone in the aesthetic and a little bit of movement on it. Yeah, I guess like Hemorrhage, Blood Gulch, all those, yeah. They're pretty much remakes of Blood Gulch, but they've done a bit in their own way of changing it, whether it's kind of changing rock positions, how the teleporter works, stuff like that. Well, th- this one was really, really cool because you had an anti-gravity area that you could jump out of the map for X amount of time before it would it would kill you. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was really cool and really unique because it was a zero-gravity area. But, I mean, it again, it was the f- the only map at the time that was not in the campaign or Maiden Forge. So I think it got a lot of love and attention in that sense because it was the only map that seemed pretty unique at the time. Now, on October 15th, 2010, Bungie would release three new Forge World maps, Adam, Cliffhanger, and Uncaged. And they're essentially just like, you know, the cage and all that. They're just slight variations to it. Like they block off this walkway or they just add some weapons here and there. Yeah, changes it up. It's just gives... a 2.0. Yeah, it's basically kind of giving a default to what is already a Forge map, so you have to do it yourself type mm-hmm. thing. And now, coming up, as we do with most Halo games, mm-hmm. they slap you some map packs. Mm-hmm. They do some stuff later, put it in there. Our first one being Noble Map Pack. In October of 2010, Bungie would release a tutorial on an in-game installation. In the screenshot they provided, they showed the gamer score for Reach that had 10 more achievements and 250 more gamer score on the game compared to one it was originally released in September. Yeah, so they kind of added themselves a little bit because they, they never, all until right before it was released, they really didn't talk about it. No, and you and they were playing coy about it. And playing any other Bungie game, you're going to figure there's going to be something with that. Mm-hmm. But they right away were like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the first of this DLC, Noble Map Pack, would be released on November 30th, 2010, costing 800 Microsoft points or about 10 bucks mm-hmm. U.S., the DLC would come with seven new achievements worth 250 gamer score. And for our first map we had was Anchor 9. Mm-hmm. Orbital dockyards provide rapid fueling and repair for a variety of UNSC vessels. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> so this was uh, another, uh, you know, Smalley Mead boy, mm-hmm. as I like to call him. Uh, two to eight players on it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're going to be playing some Slayer, some weird, really weird tiny oddball. Plenty of fun stuff on it. And the setting on it was a, a UNSC Sabre engineering facility mm-hmm. that was inside the refit station Anchor 9. Yep, that's where they got the name from. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. And like Midship Remake, this one allows you to kind of go out into space again. Mm-hmm. So like you get like a certain amount of time out there before you get vented out and die, mm-hmm. come back in. Yeah. And what I really like with this is that one of the designers thought, hey, you know what would be really cool? Get rid of gravity. So they wanted to put a switch mm-hmm. on the map that would allow that to happen, which would have been kind of cool mm-hmm. to get that ability, but unfortunately it was cut before the final was put out. Once again, I think it's because 
one, obviously time. Yeah. But also it's, to me, that's kind of gimmicky for Bungie. Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of attempt at their best to avoid those type of things. Yeah. When it's, when it's safe to yeah. avoid it. Yeah. But then the next one we have is Breakpoint. Oni officials believe the data buried within the artifact is key to our survival. So a big boy, as you would call it, 816 players, kind of based off of the package in that area mm-hmm. where where uh, Halsey's Lab is. Halsey's Lab is, yeah. Recommend Slayer and Invasion game types. And then, you know, when you play those Invasion game types, Elites will be the Infiltrators and Spartans will be defending the site against the Covenant Forces. Yeah, tr- traditional. Mm, yeah, instead of having it switch up. And so this is a map that also features the Rocket Warthog. Very rare in multiplayer. Yeah, because this is... Our, one of our first, right? I believe so. Because most of the time you get Goss or you get mm-hmm. Machine Gun. Yeah. And so something that's different about this map is when you play Invasion, you don't have the standard multiplayer announcer guy, yeah. whatever his name is. You have Colonel, was it a Colonel Holland? I think so. Colonel Holland and then an Elite, you know, depending on what team you're mm-hmm. on, will announce for you. But they just threw it out with this one. You had the default multiplayer announcer. So job job security. Whoops. (laughs) I don't know if that was a mistake or intentional. I could see either or. Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly he had to record the lines, so. Yeah. And it could have been, you know, like one of those files where they already had it for a bit Mm -hmm. or not. Yeah. And now we have Tempest. Though we may never fully understand these devices, it is not our nature to leave ancient stones unturned. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big boy. 8 to 16. Uh, it is officially located on a Halo ring, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool. You can kind of tell from your environment that you're in and looking up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And being an RVB fan that I am, you know, if you guys haven't listened, I did an entire rendition of the first season in eighth grade. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you go underneath that crash longsword that's on the map, there's mm-hmm. a radio that have two voices. One of these sounds very familiar to Tucker from Red vs. Blue, perhaps representing the accidental radio conversation between Griff and Tucker in Reconstruction. So possible Easter egg with it, mm-hmm. potential with it, because this was, Reach was really one of the biggest games that Bungie brought the RVB team in for. Mm-hmm. They did a lot of Easter egg stuff, and they have throughout the Halos. You've had Jeff Ramsey or Gavin Free or Bertie Burns, mm-hmm. Gus Sirola on as voicing a few you know, minor characters or some Easter eggs and stuff like that. So it's always cool to see them continue that tradition along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, especially since this is Bungie's final Halo game, yeah. and you know the, the relationship those guys have built over the years are going to cram it full of Red vs. Blue stuff. Well, that's the thing. It's like, name one of the biggest marketing people for Halo. It was definitely Red vs. Blue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So now we have the Defiant Map Pack. So the Defiant Map Pack was developed by 343 Industries and Certain Affinity, and they only had developed two of these maps. So this would be the first in-game material developed by the new 343 Industries, and they looked to subtly differentiate these maps from the rest of Reach's core maps, of course. 343 Industries wanted to capture the feel of the campaign in these maps and actually base these maps from events that happened in the extended lore. So this is... This is now where Bungie is not developing anything else. This is now 343 with the help of Certain Affinity coming in. And as we know, I think th- uh, Certain Affinity has been helping with Halo 2, Halo 3 DLCs. That's kind of like their bread and butter. Yeah, and, and we'll see them in Halo 4 and some Ventures On. And mm-hmm. if you guys didn't know, they also worked on Left 4 Dead. Yep, they did. Mm-hmm. 
The DLC was released February 15th, 2011, and came with three achievements worth 150 gamer score. Overall, fans would accept these new maps with open arms, giving 343 Industries a sigh of relief when it came to developing the next Halo game. Because you gotta think, if they like this, are they gonna like our next thing? Which, uh, yes and no. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So originally the DLC was going to come with the GRD helmet, and possible other armor pure mutations, as we had talked about with that cut material, but they were cut from the final release. So the first map we have is Condemned. The final moments aboard Orbital Gamma Station, a human communications space station. Okay, now, 343, I know Bungie didn't do great with flavor text, but that was the most boring flavor text I've ever heard. (laughs) Guys, the final moments above the station, but I don't know if you guys know this, it's our human communication station. <laughs> uh, okay, thanks. Uh, you know, we get one second into this map and we can <laughs> see that it is human architecture. Yeah. Uh, medium boy, as Alex calls them, 8 to 12 players. It's almost a meaty biggie. Me- yeah, it is. Uh, Slayer game types. And let's talk about the lore from this. This is the station that Linda is killed in in the Fall of Reach. Mm-hmm. I did like that. I did like that idea that they were pulling areas from the book. That we didn't see in the campaign or multiplayer. Yeah, and that's, that is cool. Yeah, and that's kind of what was said earlier. Where it's like mm-hmm. Bungie stuck at the lore. Three four three does whatever they want. <laughs> Put some lore in there, baby. <laughs> Put some real lore in there. Mm-hmm. And then certain affinity helped to develop this, and they looked to Halo 2's Lockout as inspiration for this map. I think that's kind of cool. Hasn't everyone looked at Lockout for every map they've done? <laughs> like it's the <laughs> perfect map. Just assume that. Every map has that. It's either stretchy lockout or bigger lockout or smaller lockout. You know how yeah. it is. Well, they, they look to it for the close combat aspect yeah. of it. And, and, yeah. and so, you know, the original idea for this was going to be a darkened and, like, creepy area, but it was removed because players were getting lost while trying to make this. Or while while playing it, they were like, I have no idea where I am. This is way too dark. And my night vision doesn't do anything. Is night vision available in multiplayer? Mm. I do God, someone tell us, because I don't know right now. But yeah, so it's pretty cool map overall. I like it. Uh, there's some weird controversy with the fact that there's a third moon, but there's only two. So as much as 343 is like, look, we're respecting the lore, but we're just adding more moons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Condemned's cool. I mean, obviously based on the game Condemned, um, which I know you've played, right? Yes. Yeah, you love that game about... Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And next we have Highlands. I'm going to read this in my best 343 voice. Oh, God. A training facility located in the Highland Mountains where Spartans are born. See, that's all I can think of because these jingles suck. Yeah, the flavor text is is not good for this. Anyway, it's a meaty biggie boy. So obviously you're at 8 to 12, so you're getting into more of your objective game types, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not getting to really big team, but you're getting into more of that bigger objective style mm-hmm. stuff, which I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And once again, bringing on that lore aspect, this was the location of the crashed pelican in the beginning chapters of Halo First Strike. Yep, where a bunch of Spartans died or got injured. Yeah, so once again, three four, or yeah, 343... Really flexing those lore muscles, and they're like, you guys don't even know what's coming. Mm -hmm. You don't even know the 15 books we're about to write. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they at least, in my opinion, did this well of saying, hey, look, we do pay attention to the lore. We're really trying to bring, you know, words to life in this visual. Mm -hmm. So pretty cool. But obviously, they go, hey, we did a lockout map. 
what if, what if, just, just let me, hear me through. Original idea for you. Original idea. We do a blood gulch map. And they're like, I don't think, have, have we ever done that before, Frankie? But, but let me tell you no, this. No, we let haven't? Me, no, okay. no, no, no. Let me tell you this, though. It's going to be even upper. We're going to go even more vertical, and you don't even know what we're doing. And that's how Highlands came to be. Yeah, I mean, this is also, I don't know. I think I, I kind of do dislike this map. I think it's a little too big, and it's just sometimes hard to find the action. It's a map where unless the action is right there in the middle, you're not going to be finding much people because everyone's going to there. Because I don't think people have incentive to do stuff no. at the bases or off to the sides. But something I do like is that that Covenant CCS class cruiser out in the distance, they actually do move side from side. That's cool. So they're not static. They actually do move around. So then we have the final map pack, the anniversary map pack. So Certain Affinity would return once again to help 343 Industries release a new map pack for Halo Reach. But this time, they could either be purchased for 1,200 Microsoft points or would come with the anniversary edition of Halo Combat Evolved. So G the uh, GDR doll Easter egg can be found in every map of the anniversary map pack. I think that was the the condemned Mjolnir class armor. They kind of made like a little doll, mm -hmm. and you could go find it. So they're like, instead of getting new armor, what if we just gave you this Easter egg that you can find stuff, and like maybe you get an achievement out of it? And exactly. And that's it. And they're like, sure, why not? Yeah, I mean, it's still something. So let's start with Battle Canyon. You'll love this one. The telemetry spires in these canyons help manage the Halo Ring's vast translocation grid. This is so lame. <laughs> this is, that's just a description. That's a description of like one thing. It's not like any kind of like story. Yeah, it's just it's, this is what it does. This is an office where you yeah. do paperwork. <laughs> this is a studio where we record a podcast. And let me just let me just start this off too and let everyone know obviously anniversary pack is kind of an we talked about as a nod to Halo CE. So mm -hmm. all these maps are remakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one or two are from Halo 2, but yeah, all these maps are real remakes. Of course, this is a remake of Combat Evolves Battle Creek and Halo 2's Beaver Creek. Two to eight players, because I forgot, you know, the, the maps were still kind of smaller at the time. You could probably just do 16 players in this and see how crazy it gets. But, you know, it's it, the map recommends Team Slayer, Team Objective Slayer, and all those other goodies. Above the blue bases teleport, you can find the GRD doll there. You can't pick did it you, up. Did you just give a multiplayer? Hashtag detailed walkthrough? I think I did, yes. There I didn't even realize that. And though it cannot be picked up in Forge, you can dislodge it by using explosives and projectiles. So there you go. And next we have Penance. The Covenant have harnessed the waters of this moon to refuel their massive supercarriers. That one's a little better. Oh, yeah. wait, these, aren't I mean, these all still... already been written? Yeah, and still. Because they're remakes. Either way, this is a remake of Damnation. It's two to eight players, and one cool thing is the Grunt in the Barrel Easter Egg appears in the Halo Reach map Penance. It can be obtained by, here's your common, hashtag multiplayer detailed walkthrough, mm -hmm. by building a bowl in forge mode under the middle waterfall and waiting for a while. If you're lucky, an ungoy with its methane tank and mask removed in a wooden barrel will fall from the top of the waterfall and land in your bowl. It's pretty cool. It is, but that's also one of those things. It's like, what do I do with this? 
Look, it's a it's a grunted multiplayer. <laughs> it's a gimmick. Thanks. <laughs> Next we have High Noon. Next we have High Noon. It's High Noon. There we go. That's, Thank you for that. That's all I wanted. <laughs> Despite millennia of abandonment, transportation facilities like this one continue to function flawlessly. A little bit better. A little bit better. A little bit better. Of course, remake of Combat Evolved Sangam High, 4 Great to map. 12 players, medium beefy boy, uh, slayer and objective game types. That's a small, medium, large boy. That's, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's running the gamut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so apparently, according to 343 Industries, they had... A million different ways they were going to remake this and decided to use a Forerunner theme and certain Affinity and 343's team did a significant amount of exploration when it came to architecture, mechanics, and etc. of the Forerunner technology. And one of the big fact, too, is they actually based this map off of the character from Overwatch called McCree. God, because, I did not know that. Yeah, because when his alt happens, he says, ah, oh, it's high noon. Or if you're Beach Boy, it's ha, oh, it's high tide. So who is Beach Boy? You get Beach Boy skin. What are you? Okay, whatever. I don't, I know nothing about this game. Mm. So for people saying like, why doesn't he know? I've never played the game. I've played like three games in my life. Also, that's canon fact. It is based on the game <laughs> Overwatch, which came out years after it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next we have Ridgeline. Overlooking one of Halo's impressive relay complexes, this idyllic cliffside once served as a UNSC staging area. You sound like every male audiobook narrator doing Cortana's voice. 100%. (laughs) So this is based off of Timberland, the singer, and the boots, and the map. (laughs) And and this is a biggie boy. Uh, It's 8 to 16. Play it with your big teams. You know what you got to do. Uh, so this map is set in a former UNSC staging area mm-hmm. on a cliff overlooking a gigantic forerunner relay complex. Mm-hmm. And what's kind of cool is that toward the end of conflict on Installation 4, the marine resistance in the area was wiped out by Covenant forces. So, yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> Just trying to give you the facts here. <laughs> Just so you know. Just facts. Now we have Solitary. The security spire's damaged interior only hints at terrifying power of its previous inhabitant. So, a remake of Combat Evolved's Prisoner. And do you get it because it's solitary because it was one? Yeah, yeah. I, I do like this map. I did like this remake a lot. They made it look That's great. really cool. It's a small meaty boy, too. Yeah, uh, two to eight players, of course, Slayer and Objective game types, and... You know, it's pretty cool. They they did decide to fill it up with more, like, ice and whatnot. Really make it feel like it is abandoned location. Yeah. I really love it. They changed, They also changed some of the platforms up and everything. And I think this map is a staple. Yeah. It really is. And finally, with all of our map packs, we've got Breakneck. The initial Covenant strike is over, but the fight for Mombasa has just begun. God. That's that's Disney coming into this, which is great. <laughs> they, they will own... Microsoft eventually. Yes. Uh, they'll own everybody eventually. They probably own us right now. We just don't know it yet. Yeah. So thank you, Mickey, for that introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a remake of Headlong, uh, another fantastic Halo 2 map. Mm-hmm. It's a biggie. It's a meaty biggie boy. Eight meaty biggie. New, new new finish the five phrase. Meaty biggie. Yeah. You got you got small and meaty biggies. I think that's me, meaty biggie. Right? Yeah. You're, you're good, meaty biggie. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm small meaty. You're like a small meaty with a little biggie going on. You know how it is. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, so 8 to 16, obviously you're playing your big team battle stuff. You're mm-hmm. playing your, your you know, big kind of brawls of capture the flag mm-hmm. and, and just a lot of those fun parts in there. I don't like this map at all. 
I don't really? like it. I do not like this map. I've never played the original. Maybe they did something with the architecture to change it up for this remake. Mm. I was never a fan of this map. I liked Headlong. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was enjoyable. I thought it was fun for... Like, whenever you get big team stuff, is mm-hmm. I, I kind of forgive the maps a little bit more. I think the, that's like when the maps matter the most, I think, for big team a lot of the time. I mean, depending. Like, if you get 16 people and you're just murdering up everywhere i'm a little mm-hmm. bit fine but like i used to be i used to be competitive 2v2 mm-hmm. so like that was to me a little bit more and mm-hmm. a lot of the small so you can't do and, hemorrhage on 2v2 uh, you could it's a long it's a long <laughs> session but yeah overall i mean once again i'm glad that they put this map pack out it is a bit of fan service mm-hmm. and i think this was a <laughs> i don't want to say it because it's kind of bad but until infinite comes out this is probably the best 343 has done for in-game stuff for fans as far as like they push really hard with comics they push really hard with like these in-game releases and halo 5 obviously has its it's outside the campaign it's multiplayer is amazing multiplayer and forge yeah yeah for the grand audience that it's done and people even said the community has taken that game 100 percent. yeah but as far as just like by the books, not community related things. Like this is what they're coming out with. The fanfare and fan service was was really well done to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that being said, and we have talked about all of our multiplayer maps, let's talk about esports. Mm-hmm. So by the time of Halo Reach's release, esports was at its prime, but would start to see a decline due to Halo Reach's new innovations in the multiplayer. Yep. Call of Duty Four divided the Xbox community before Halo and COD. So Bungie looked to create a multiplayer that would draw a more casual crowd and at the professional player's expense. Halo Reach stripped away the same circumstances that every player would have when it came to competitive gameplay. Instead of every player having the same circumstances at the start of the match, things like jetpacks and armor lock and sprint and all that would change the course of a collision between two players. Mm -hmm. Tournaments would try to take away most abilities other than sprint and tone down the radical bloom which would make players feel like they're in classic Halo again, but the maps weren't made for classic Halo. They were made to accommodate the armor abilities, mm-hmm. especially Jump Pack and plenty of other ones with it. Mm-hmm. This would lead to Nexus Koth, or King of the Hill, a Forge-created map and mode for the competitive scene, but overall, the corrosive damage of Reach's approach to esports had started, mm-hmm. leading it to the state it's in today. Yeah. I I agree. I mean, even from a very casual standpoint, Halo player, going from CE up to 3, and, you know, even dabbling in, in Firefight with ODST, you still had the same feeling mm-hmm. of traditional Halo. It was it was in about, like, well, this guy got me because he had a jetpack. It's this guy got me because he was a better player. Or he got the sniper, you know, he got some power weapons mm-hmm. before me, or he cheated, you know, like everyone who's ever killed me has. <laughs> uh, Those lag switches. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it, it, it definitely changed it up. But to give you some stats with it, a total of $772,089, and most importantly, 97 cents, was awarded to players from a total of 28 tournaments. The biggest prize pool was awarded at the MLG Providence 2011 tourney, with Eon Instinct coming in first, being awarded 100 k mm-hmm. which is so funny because that's like pittance Dude, that's to any esports tournaments now. now yeah. The most that would be awarded to a single player collectively through all the tournaments they played mm-hmm. was 100K, won by Catherine Gunn Mystic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And shout out to our Discord user, Brisket, who I messaged. He gave me a lot of insight to this just because esports is not my 
area of expertise. I mean, none of this is, but really, it's really hard for one person even to do research to really dial down what was bad about there. Like, it sucked. I hate armor abilities. Why do you hate armor abilities? Mm-hmm. They sucked. Yeah. It's like, it, okay, but come on. Yeah, and especially constructively, like, this shows that you've you've changed a game fundamentally mm-hmm. from how people have trained and played with it in the past mm-hmm. and how it adapts, especially for a game that hadn't really heard of nerfs, patching, balancing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just, here's your game. We're going to make sure you can't fall out of the map. Mm-hmm. So I completely understand it, and I completely understand how it fell off of MLG and it, just how pretty much everything in esports kind of started to shun this, and we don't really see the inclination jump back to it. There's a bit in Halo 4, but it's Halo 5, obviously, is what really brings it back into the arena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even they're trying to do some classic tournaments and everything like that, but this really did damage it very long-term. Well, 100%, because you, you at this time, too, so going up into 2011, 2012, 2013, like, so as the tournament kind of continues on, you're having the heyday of Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. You're having Battlefield start to st- steal stuff away. You're having a lot more games by Blizzard and plenty of others that are coming out, and Twitch is now rising to stardom. So, I mean, it's it's a lot that you're dealing with this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not one of the big two at this point. Mm-mm. So, you know, with that being said, with the depressing era of esports and Halo 3, let's move on to Firefight. Mm-hmm. So, Firefight would return to Halo Reach with an abundance of new options and features. This mode was built off a of firefight from Halo 3 ODST. This was the first time the players could play firefight online matchmaking and was featured as a playlist year-round. Firefight was also completely customizable, determining even what enemies will spawn in whatever wave the player would like. Mm-hmm. Players could also choose a voice specifically for their Spartan during firefight matches. Players can even create a mode making them invisible with unlimited armor abilities and ammo. The customization was so impressive, Margaret Robertson, who is a development director of Hide and Seek, even wrote a whole article just about the customization options alone. It's so good. So though players can still earn credits from this, it would be one-tenth of what they would earn from standard multiplayer games. Because, you know, they would give themselves just unlimited ammo. They never had to reload. Unlimited armor locks. Yeah, and we see that in a lot of, like, the Fiesta styles. Mm -hmm. Or, like, what is it called in the new... Uh, uh, I... What is it called that we just we we just played for game night? Yeah, you, you get like this Fiesta style where it's like you can pick of one things like oh it's gonna be all rockets and limited ammo mm-hmm. or this and it makes Husky it, Raid that's y- it yeah, Husky yeah. Raid so Husky Raid makes it much more of a, a really fun with it. Mm-hmm. Now versus mode was originally an idea Lars Bakken had for ODST's firefight, but due to the lack of time and resources, it was never implemented. Mm-hmm. So we could have had some cool stuff, but we didn't. That's all right. So moving on to the maps, mm-hmm. um, just like with the multiplayer maps, we also got our standard and our DLCs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to start it off, we have Beachhead fight for some prime real estate on the shores of New Alexandria. So we're going to break these down a little bit and just kind of tell you where they're from. You guys have obviously seen you know, a lot of these firefight maps, and this is from the level Exodus. Yeah. And then we have Corvette. Fight for air superiority inside the belly of the beast. Oof. And we know it's from A Long Night of Solace. Mm-hmm. Courtyard. Fight to secure the fortified <laughs> Orni Plaza. And if you don't know where that's from, that is good old Oni Sword Base. Mm-hmm. And then Glacier. Fight for salvation deep down in the underground caves. And this is from the package, as we all know. Mm-hmm. 
Fight for your life in the UNSC ship graveyard. We're doing accents now? Yeah, I'm doing them all because it's great. <laughs> hey, listen, it makes us go by. And this, this is true. Take, yeah. So hold out, you know, if, if you kind of, because a lot of these are not on the nose, but they're there. Hold out. It's obviously from the Pillar of Autumn level, you mm-hmm. know, when you're, when you're on your Mac gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we have Outpost. Fight for survival amidst the smoldering ruins. And this is from the package. Mm-hmm. We've got Overlook. We need to fight for fertile ground <clears throat> on a deserted farmyard. This map was taken from the level Winter Contingency, our first map. <laughs> and then we have Waterfront. Fight for the vital infrastructure that fuels the war effort. Water. <laughs> and this was, ki- this was taken from the campaign mission Nightfall, of course. And then we jump over to the Defiant Map Pack. I'm just going to say, so I'll just say this. The, the, the writing did get a little lazy. If you haven't noticed, it's all fight for survival, fight mm-hmm. for this. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we're on Unearth. We're going to fight for... I already did that accent. Let me do another one. Mm. We're going to fight for survive. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that one either. What else do I got? I'll just do regular. Unearthed. Fight for survival amongst the remains of a deserted mining facility. Thank you, uh, Count Dracula, for that amazing rendition. Ah, ah, ah. It's actually me. <laughs> the Count from Sesame Street. <laughs> oh, I'm losing my mind already. This map set is a BXR titanium mine in the very Tatori on Tatori territory on planet Reach. So it's it's like this titanium mining facility. This honestly might be one of my favorite firefight maps. I love this map. It, I think they killed it with this. It is beautiful. <laughs> and then for the anniversary map pack, we have. Good old Installation 4. Fight for survival around mysterious forerunner structures on Installation 4. Okay, good. So, as we know, this is basically one of the first firefight encounters we have in Halo Combat Evolve. Yeah. Because it was pulled from Halo Combat Evolve's leveled Halo. Yeah, right from it. So, there you go. That is our firefight section of the notes. Now, let's move on to, this is a big, big chunk right here, Forge. Mm Mm-hmm. No one... Not even Bungie could have predicted how large in scale Forge would become in Halo Reach, and more specifically, how large Forge World would become itself. Bungie requested that Forge World first be announced with Red vs. Blue's Deja View announcement to celebrate Bungie Day 2010. Mm-hmm. Bungie would finally make the transition from Forge being an object editor, you know, just play around with it, put mm-hmm. some pieces down, to an actual map editor in Reach. Mm-hmm. Originally, Forge World had actually started as five separate maps, but environment art lead Steve Cotton had the idea to combine all five maps, making it one single Grand Vista. Originally, no one else was on board with this, saying that the game wouldn't be able to handle such a large map, but Cotton was reluctant and stuck with it until he made the rest of the team believers in the new large Forge World. So when creating the new Forge for Halo Reach, Bungie looked to the community tricks in Forge from Halo 3 and made those into tools itself. Mm -hmm. Some of the nuances they added were the ability to change the physics of an object to phased, fixed, and normal, 
and players could also use tools to rotate and turn objects from 90 degrees all the way down to 5 degrees. Oh, wow. Additionally, players could move objects by units as if they were on a 3D graph along with a fine editing mode that allows objects to move very slowly that would allow the player to place an object exactly where they need it to be. Bungie would also include options to select one object and give the player the ability to delete all of the same objects within the map itself and even change the colors of certain objects. Mm -hmm. The new forge would also allow up to eight players in one game at a time to help create the map and art. Yeah, I mean, this was really such, such a huge step Mm -hmm. in map creating and basically bringing you a 3D editor. Yeah, this was a good... I mean, 50% of my time in Reach was... SWAT, the other 50 was Forge. Yeah, it's like Maya Light or like, mm-hmm. it's it's something that like allows you to really play with it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to do this now. Yeah. Bungie used the same Forge mode that comes with Halo Reach to create the Forge maps for multiplayer. And of course, the community took off with what they could do with Forge and made amazing maps and art pieces beyond what Bungie could ever expect them to do. Mm-hmm. Brian Gerard would state that before the game was even released, he was impressed to see what games journalists were doing in Forge. Bungie would state that they would look to fan-created maps in Forge to later use for new multiplayer maps. I don't think they ever did that, though. That's the thing. I don't think they ever did do that, which... I don't know. I think they probably took ideas from it. Mm-hmm. like Or, because or, honestly, they're done. Yeah. So I think 343 is kind of brought that upon themselves, expanded it. They do that in Halo 5, yeah. Yeah. Like, eventually you'll see some fan-made maps working there. But yeah, I think that was one of those things. They're like, let's do that. And they're like, wait, we're going to be done with this game here soon. Forget that. Hell no. I'm out. Oh, yeah. So there are a few specific games under the insane playlist one can create in Forge, including Halo Chess, Halo Ball, Hockey, and Speed Pile. Mm Mm-hmm. Forge World would have unique spaces for players to build around, though the players were encouraged to build anywhere on the map. So mm-hmm. you you had your basics. You had the canyon, the island, the quarry, the coliseum, the pillar, the coastline, the lagoon, Alaska, Montana, and the plains. Yeah, but, your usuals. Yeah, but again, they said, you know, these are kind of like areas that are easier to build on, but literally build anywhere you want. Mm-hmm. And even people have gone in. And seen where you can't build, where there's where beyond the kill barriers now that it reaches on PC, and it's huge. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. I actually saw a video of a guy. You know, when George takes a slip space engine and mm-hmm. uses that, someone modded it to make that a weapon. That's and so they cool. said they had to be on the very edge of the map that you can't be on, or else they would die using it. <laughs> so that is one of the That's craziest awesome. things I have ever seen in my life. So now let's move on to custom games. Mm -hmm. Like Halo 3, Bungie would not expect the sheer amount of custom games and maps that would come from Reach. Mm -hmm. And this is one thing that I've always loved from the Halo community, is you take something that's a first-person shooter and you go, not today. (laughs) And you start to just have these really fun things, Mm -hmm. like something like Speed Halo. Mm -hmm. So if you guys haven't played Speed Halo, it's technically an infection game type. A lot of these are. Yeah, because it just makes it so easy to have one kill things, to have mm-hmm. one life without having to set it in there. Because mm-hmm. so one team has infinite lives, the other only has one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Speed Halo, you have everybody, except for the f- first zombie or two, depending on how you kind of set it, mm-hmm. at the top. And you get to pick a vehicle. Anything from like a Wraith, Warthog, Mongoose, you can drive around in it. And mm-hmm. the premise is you drive it to this map, to this ledge. 
when you go over, you hit these boosters, you start to speed up, and then you get this respawn at the bottom that brings you back to the top. Mm-hmm. Basically gets you like infinitely speedy. Mm-hmm. And the goal for the zombies that are on this are trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. As they kill you, more zombies come. It's just a survival game, so as long as you can. Yeah, but it's... it's Goofy, the, fun, and I don't know why yeah. it's so addicting, but it is. It's the silliest way to survive ever. Mm-hmm. And then you've got classic returns of, like, Duck Hunt, Fat Kid, Ghostbusters, Jenga, of course, which is so beautiful, Pac-Man, and, of course, Castle Wars. Yeah, so really just kept building upon these popular game types. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, let's talk about File Share. So File Share would make a full comeback from Halo 3 to reach and fully be integrated into Bungie.net. This time, players can not only tag other players in screenshots, but they can add keywords to their photos, videos, maps, etc., and make them searchable on Halo Reach's file share, which was such a good idea. I found so many awesome maps Oh, so much better than MCC. Yeah. So players could also rate these photos, videos, and maps to appear on the top page on file share. Mm -hmm. Again, a great way to find all these maps. I found... Detailed UNSC Covenant carriers that yeah. people made into invasion maps. Like it, it just blows my mind. And this was such an integral thing that they they put in there. So when a player uploads a screenshot with a different player, that player will actually be tagged in the photo. Oh, so and their, cool. And their information with their gamer tag is attached as well. They they literally looked at Facebook and they said, "Yeah, let's do that." Yeah. <laughs> so now let's move on to as I always say this. My favorite section of our game episodes, the music. So let's start this off with a quote from Marty O'Donnell. It's hard for me to anticipate what's going to be the main theme for Reach. My approach was I knew I wanted something that was more visceral. I hated using the term darker and grittier because it's so overused, but I wanted something that just really gave you both the feeling of something that's hitting you in the gut, and this is really an important thing. And also there's this sense of mission but tragedy that's about to happen. So in ODST, Marty would go to a sad, somber place when setting the tone, but in Reach, he would go to a dark, morbid place. The music needed to reflect the tragic story that was unfolding. Like ODST, Marty would look to write almost all new themes and songs for the game, allowing some iconic melodies to make their way into fragments of the music. Marty would, however, look to Combat Evolved for inspiration, wanting to remind players that this is still related to Halo, but much darker. Like all the music Marty has written for the previous Bungie games, he would start to conceptualize it early on, keeping an eye on all the pre-production and concepts of the game. Though Marty won't actually truly start working on music piece until it's needed. Once he started writing pieces, he would send it out to all the other composers and audio engineers working on the soundtrack. And for the most part, all of them had the same ideas and themes when it came to writing the music in the soundtrack. Marty would write music that would have ethnic Hungarian undertones in it, considering Reach was populated by humans from Eastern Europe. We, we talked about that they're Hungarian. Yeah. He would also use the Frisian mode scale. Please write to me that I said that completely wrong. Helping give his foreign theme for the game. He would also put hints of music from the original trilogy in the soundtrack. You know, you can hear it in, in just various aspects of you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I know that song. You do hear the the iconic Halo monks mm-hmm. in the form of some strings. It's, ooh, goosebumps. It's awesome. Martin O'Donnell stated that Reach was an emotional journey for himself, and he wanted to invoke those same emotions in players throughout the game. The system that triggered certain music files to play when players entered a certain area had also become more advanced. Compared to CE, 
when the original Xbox could only handle layering two samples of music, Halo Reach would layer seven pieces of music during gameplay. Woo! So really cool, especially like when we said that you making that transition of like, because Marty yeah. was always like, all right, I want this music to hit right when that action is pretty much starting mm-hmm. and end right when you're done. So hard, mm-hmm. so plan on hard. Yeah. So Marty created the music specifically for heroic difficulty. There we so go. So when playing through a game, if a player hears the music come in too quickly or, or fades out playing a certain part, the player is rushing through the game. So imagine there's no music for five more minutes. Mm-hmm. You are either too slow or too quick. So once the player has beaten the game, they can turn off the score when they do another run through the campaign. So you got to beat it once if you, for some reason, want to play it without this beautiful music. Just being a psychopath with no sound, just like, yeah. I'm going to speed run this. <laughs> so Marty wrote over five hours of music for the game with 1,700 music files and five gigabytes of music. Remember, folks, this was 2010. Five gigs was a lot. But only two hours would make it into the soundtrack. Like previous Halo titles, the soundtrack was recorded in Studio X in Seattle, Washington, with a 60-piece orchestra and a 16-member choir. The orchestra was recorded in sections, giving Marty more control over the mixing. And as well as all in-game audio was completed by July 15, 2010. The soundtrack was released on a two-disc CD set September 14th through Something Else Music Works and available to purchase digitally September 14th, released through Something Digital. Now, the soundtrack debuted at number 157 for the Billboard 200, which was the highest that any Halo game had ranked, and broke the top 10 at number 8 on the Billboard's video game rankings. So some final trivia about the music is Harry Humura would return to play guitar on We Remember. Humura played guitar on the original Combat Evolved track, Rock Anthem for Saving the World. You know, that one that we all hold dear to our hearts. (laughs) (laughs) Jumping forward, we're going to the release versions. Mm -hmm. So kind of how it came about. Mm -hmm. Uh, To start, you had your standard version, which came with the disc and manual. Mm -hmm. The limited edition, which was the disc manual, an Oni-themed case and artifact bag, a Waypoint avatar gear, exclusive elite armor, an exclusive Spartan armor effect. Legendary Edition would give you everything that was in the limited, mm-hmm. but would also give you a noble team statue in a large UNSC-themed case. We might have that in the studio. You never know. Maybe. And within that Oni-themed uh, case and artifact bag, that's what comes with Halsey's journal mm-hmm. and a lot of other things. Awesome read if you can find all those pages online. Do that or possibly listen to a potential bonus episode we might be doing about that here soon. Who knows? You never know. And then we had the platinum hit, so you're getting kind of the the sweet border mm-hmm. of, hey, we're going to release, release this game again. Yep. Then you have the Origins Bundle. This version was released November 22nd, 2013, that included Halo Reach and Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary. I didn't know this existed until I was researching this this so episode. There's, there's, a, there's a couple of those kind of oddities that mm-hmm. was like, I don't know, do a bundle. And I want it now. Sell 10 copies of it. But they're expensive. Yes. But I want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like it's like those triple packs because there's one that's like has a Japanese edition and then the one that's Combat Evolved 2 and the two map pack. Mm-hmm. It's like I want them all. And they're great. And then finally, to wrap it up, we have it released on Master Chief Collection and most recently on the personal computer. Mm-hmm. Halo Reach would even have its own Xbox 360 slim version. Mm-hmm. Which I think that's the third xbox that it would ever get it had two three and now this mm-hmm. so now let's move on to the overall general reaction of the game spoiler alert i don't think france is involved this time damn so, 
Microsoft planned on making Halo Reach the biggest launch title on the Xbox 360. Before Reach, Halo games had sold over 27 million copies, and Microsoft was looking to increase that number drastically with Reach. Bungie would state that they believed that, quote-unquote, Reach would sell hundreds of copies easily. So, you know, at least they're being very optimistic. Halo Reach was the third most searched game in 2010, along with being the third best-selling video game of 2010. Now, Steven Spielberg and his son would play a demo of Reach at E3 2010, along with William Mapather, Nathan Fillion, hip-hop gamer, and other celebrities. Because remember, I think it was for ODST, Steven Spielberg was there. Mm -hmm. So he's always been a Halo fan, in case people are curious, like... This Halo television thing wasn't them approaching him. I'm sure even if they did, he was I, anxious to do it. And I think it. they've talked in the past that he always wanted to partner and do something. Mm -hmm. So finally coming about. Yeah. So I think that's just amazing that he's like a hardcore Halo fan that goes to E3 because he's like, I'm Steven Spielberg. I can get in there. I'm not a game journalist, but I'm going to go play that game. Do whatever I want. And one of my favorite portions about game releases is when do they get leaked? <laughs> and as is Halo tradition, the game would leak in August 2010, a month before its release. It's about right. Many believe the leak came from modders Gamtuts. They gained access to the game because Microsoft listed Halo Reach on the Xbox Live store for 99,999 Microsoft points or $1,250. Kind of like mm -hmm. a, a cheeky placeholder, you know, we'll put it out there type thing. Microsoft had never intended the game to be downloadable online, but had it listed online for select media reviewers only. Mm -hmm. The modders were able to illegally download the game with an official download code from Xbox Live and play it for themselves. Since it was an official code, Microsoft had no way of banning the users for playing it. Odd logic. I, That's like, I stole this real money. Yeah. You can't arrest me because I, I paid for this with real money. I guess you're right. The modders never had any intention of leaking the game to the public or spoiling any aspect of the game, though some videos of the gameplay would make their way to YouTube. Bungie wouldn't comment on the situation, but instead reiterated that anyone who spoils anything on the forums will be banned. Same thing if you, your live tag will be banned as, as well as your name on the forum will be mm -hmm. banned. And they might just hit you with their car. Exactly. That's a possibility. Very true. <laughs> Before all of this, in January of 2010, screenshots of the game would leak through EB Games, a.k.a. now GameStop, but they quickly pulled them from the web. Didn't the, know that, actually. That's pretty crazy. The ending of Halo Reach would leak on YouTube in August of 2010. Finally, the full game would leak online. During the end of development, when many campaign spoilers would start to appear online, Bungie would advise players to go dark in order to avoid spoilers. Hashtag... Don't spoil Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I love that. It's like, uh, stay off your computer, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> so thousands of players would also receive their copies of Halo Reach early because some online retailers would ship the game out early. Especially Amazon. They always had the mm -hmm. policy because you wanted it the day you pre-ordered it. to. Kind of, that's why you would do it online. Mm -hmm. But someone would be like, I don't know, whenever the ships. Whatever. So Bungie would state that as long as a player got their copy legitimately, so they wouldn't ban them if they were playing the game early. Yeah, as long as like they knew and you could have like a receipt of like, no, you know, Target, Amazon, mm -hmm. GameStop, send mm -hmm. to me early. Yeah. So... When talking about kind of getting banned and whatnot, players would find a way to manipulate the daily challenge system, being able to complete a challenge 20 plus times. So if a player was caught doing this, Bungie would wipe all of their credits and they would have to start from scratch. And players would not be punished when it came to playing Grumpocalypse or using the target locator too many times. 
on the Oni Sword Base mission, which I may or may not have done to rank up really, really quickly. You cheater. Uh, yeah, but I mean, we're seeing that, you know, manipulating the system again now with it being on MCC, mm-hmm. with people just not playing the game. They're just letting their character stand there. Yeah. yeah people are getting banned or, that. or getting their credits wiped, so... Don't do that. Even though in August 2010, video game sales were down 14% overall at $403.5 million, the game would sell $200 million in revenue in the first 24 hours of its release, and Bungie.net showed over 800,000 players on the Reach servers were playing, which is mm-hmm. nuts. Yep. Within 16 days, Reach generated $350 million in revenue. Reach would be the top-selling game on Amazon, on the week of its release in the U.S., U.K., and Japan. Mm-hmm. By December 20th, over 1.8 billion games have been played in Halo Reach online. 33 billion kills are registered across Firefight, Campaign, and Multiplayer. 700 million medals have been earned, a majority being the Double Kill Medal at 634 million. So, quite a few for Double Kill right <laughs> yeah. there. The maximum medal, Killionaire, which was 10 kills, right? I believe so, yeah. I'm probably wrong, but here we go. Was only earned 200,000 times. Only. The Black Visor was unlocked 200,000 times, and the Skullamanjaro medal was unlocked 301,758 times. Mm -hmm. Finally, Perfection medals were unlocked 710,555 times. And I was only one of those. Ever. I've only gotten one. But yeah, this was only a few months after the game was released. Like... The multiplayer really blew up with this game, I think, more so than ever. 100%. Many would cite Reach for the Xbox 360 outselling the Wii and PS3 four months in a row leading up to the release of Halo Reach and possibly Black Ops. Let's not rule that out. Probably more so Black Ops than Reach, but Mm -hmm. maybe even equal parts. Overall, Halo Reach sold an estimated 3.3 million copies in the U.S. alone. Reach, though, would, however, quote-unquote, fall short when it it came to the Japanese sales, selling only about 44,000 in its first week, which you got to think, Halo 3 only sold about 50,000, 54,000 ever. So Mm -hmm. I think, and I think ODST did about 30-something thousand as well, if I remember that correctly. But you also have to think that this game released the same time as Pokemon Black and White, which sold over 2.5 million copies in Japan. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going up against the big dogs there. Some reviewers would state that Reach, this, this is also not my opinion, this is mm-hmm. a reviewer's opinion, that Reach is the best Bungie game to date, citing the incredible storytelling and beautiful cinematics. Others, though, Alex, would state that Reach is too far of a departure from the core Halo values that skyrocketed the game into its initial success that it was. Other reviewers would fault the game due to its tampering of the lore from the fall of Reach. Overall, the game would receive mainly positive reviews, and in 2013, Benjamin Gilpin would start a petition on Change.org to get Reach ported to PC, though the petition only had 15 supporters all those 16 dang nerds got what they wanted. That's my favorite thing I've ever put in any notes ever. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that one out there. I remember researching and I found that page and I was like, 15 total supporters, huh? Well, <laughs> hey, you never know. Almost there. All right. So now let's go over some of the scores for the game. So a few days before the game was released, reviews would hit the internet, landing it at 90% score on Metacritic. So overall, it got a 91 out of 100 on Metacritic. One Up would give it an A+. CVG would give it a 9.2 out of 10. 
Edge would give it a 9 out of 10. Eurogamer would give it a 9 out of 10. Famitsu would give it a 34 out of 40. I don't get... I love Famitsu and their scoring. <laughs> Game Informer gave it a 9.5 out of 10. Game Revolution would give it an A. Game Pro would give it a 5 out of 5. GameSpot would give it a 9.5 out of 10. Games Radar Plus would give it an 8 out of Ooh, 10. Lord. That's a low one. Games Trailer would give it a 9.3 out of 10. Uh, IGN US would give it a 9.5 out of 10. IGN UK was like 10 out of 10. And then OXM UK <laughs> is 10 out of 10. So the UK really loved Halo Reach. OXM US would give it a 9.5 out of 10. So both IGN and OXM US gave it a 9.5 out of mm-hmm. 10, but IGN and, and OXM UK gave it a 10 out of 10. They know what they want. Mm. X-Play gave it a 5 out of 5. Isn't that Xbox? No. Oh, okay. X-Play, uh, for those, for Jesse, who never watched any of G4 TV, oh, okay, apparently. Okay, 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 And all you people who don't know what G4 TV was, X-Play was a show hosted by that guy with kind of whitish, yellowish hair and the girl. Good to know. Uh huh. The Guardian would give it a five out of five, and the Daily Telegraph would give it a ten out of ten. And then when it came to awards, Good Game gave it the award for best sound. Mm-hmm. You know, it just sounded like a good game. Reach, <laughs> reach. You know, it's just a good sound in your mouth. I'm reaching for yeah. that best sound. Yeah. <laughs> Spike Video Game Awards 2010 would give it the best multiplayer award. Game Spy gave it Shooter Game of the Year, and Drunk Tank Podcast gave it Game of the Year. Well, that's Rooster Teeth. That's bias. No, no, it's not. It's Drunk Tank Podcast. It's a whole different thing. <laughs> no association with those Rooster Teeth Red vs. Blue Boys no and idea. all the things that they've done. <laughs> yep. So Nathan Fillion would state that what iPhone did for smartphone technology is what Halo Reach is doing for Halo. As much sense as that may not make, it still shows how much those who worked with Bungie cared for the company. More importantly, their work, Halo. Halo Reach, like Halo 3 ODST, could have been considered a black sheep, something that might not have worked considering we didn't see the iconic hero Master Chief fight his battles in the final chapter of the Halo franchise with Bungie. Regardless of the challenges that Bungie went through creating the game with the development and lore, Reach would still show the true potential Bungie had after all these years working on a franchise that they were becoming fed up with. Reach was truly the swan song that us fans had been waiting for. To this day, the original release of Halo Reach resonates with new and old fans. This game told a tragic story and the heroic tale of six Spartans, five of which died defending the planet. To this day, we remember Reach. Supposedly, Marcus Leto teared up when talking about Reach being the ending to Bungie's involvement in the Halo franchise. Now, after the release of Halo Reach, Microsoft's Phil Spencer would state that the company is looking to increase the frequency of Halo games released. He would also state that there's something to learn from Activision releasing COD titles Almost yearly. No, there's not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Money, 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 money. Yep. Moving on to PC and MCC. Mm -hmm. PC, MCC, you know how they do it. (laughs) On March 12th, 2019, at South by Southwest, Microsoft and 343 Industry announced that the Master Chief Collection was coming to PC and would be available on Steam and the Microsoft Store. Halo Reach would also make its way into the collection, being the first game released for PC from the MCC. Mm-hmm. With the overall joy from learning that Reach would become to the PC, fans would send 343 Industries so much pizza that it would not only crash the Domino's website, but 343 had to publicly ask the fans to stop sending them pizza. 
because here's what they did. They built an entire facility out of just pizza. <laughs> and they just had so much. In the heat of the excitement, YouTuber Lord Zed would create a mod covering all texture of Halo Reach in pizza. All sounds would also be changed to one audio clip of someone saying, It's pizza time! Imagine how obnoxious that is. I love it. I assume it's Spider-Man pizza time. <laughs> After several flight tests, Halo Reach would come home to the Master Chief Collection on PC and Xbox One on December 3rd, 2019, nine years after its initial release. The new version is upgraded graphics, 60 FPS, 4K on PC, along with a new ranking system, changing the way players can obtain armor sets. Of awful ranking system, but I digress. Mm-hmm. So now let's move on to Bungie moving on. In August 2nd of 2011, Bungie would officially hand the keys over to 343 Industries and Microsoft, ending their work on Halo Reach and the franchise as a whole. After Bungie said their goodbyes to developing future Halo titles, they would move on to create their new unnamed IP, a new world, a new franchise, a new place for fans to explore. By now, we all know that this was Destiny. In April of 2010, Bungie would sign a 10-year publishing deal with Activision. So this was an official statement from Activision. Under the terms of agreement, Activision will have exclusive worldwide rights to publish and distribute all the future Bungie games based on the new intellectual property on multiple platforms and devices. Bungie remains an independent company and will continue to own their intellectual property. Now, according to Brian Gerard, this deal was nine months in the making. Yeah, a lot to go with. When Bungie would officially end their involvement with their beloved Halo franchise, they would release official stats from all the Halo games from November 2004, Halo 2, to August of 2011, Halo Reach. These scores are amazing. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Overall, we had 136 billion, 126 million, 511,000, and 43 total multiplayer kills. Mm-hmm. 43 billion, 402 million, 496,408 assisted total kills. 350 million, 405,511 total firefight games played. And within Halo 2, there was 36 billion kills, an average of 562 million a month. Halo 3, we saw 76 billion kills, an average of 1.4 billion a month. Halo 3 ODST gave us 51 million firefight games played, 5.5 billion kills within them, and 1.3 trillion points earned. And finally, with Halo Reach, we saw 23 billion kills, an average of 1.5 billion kills a month, 298 million firefight games with 24 billion kills, and 115 trillion points earned. When it came to some parting words from Bungie, Eric better known as Irk Osborne, have this to say. Some might consider the upcoming transition a bittersweet occasion, punctuated by a sense of loss and sadness. We feel otherwise. Halo is in great hands. Yours. And that's about it. Yeah. Now now we're going to, you know, I, that quote, by the way, is super sad. But when I read it, I was like, oh, what a good quote. And boy, was he wrong. <laughs> yeah. So now let's move on to, I think we're going to talk about what we think of the game mm-hmm. and then kind of how it feels that we're now reached the end of the era when it came to Bungie's involvement. Mm-hmm. So as always, take us off. So you guys have known forever, Halo. I'm not a fan of Halo Reach per se. Now that kind of goes, especially to the multiplayer aspect of the leveling up. Multiplayer maps were probably my least favorite maps out of 
pretty much every game thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, you have the remakes, which I enjoyed because it's remakes of typically some of my favorite maps. Mm-hmm. So multiplayer to me was a big turnoff, and like you said, it was such a it was such a shift. And I know that they wanted to try something, and for the most part, those things did bring fresh eyes to the game and fresh hands to come play on the controller and stuff, whatever you want to call it. So I think they did really well in implementing it. I just don't think for me it fit with how I played. Now, I know when you talk about this, this was one of your first Halo games. So obviously Mm -hmm. it's a whole different bias with it. So coming from someone who started out on CE pretty much immediately and played everything since and sunk, I think I looked up the other day in Halo 2, I put in like 3,000 hours. So it's like I, I played it, I played the hell out of it when I was, you know, a young kid in middle school and high school and everything like that. So that for me was different. You know, the campaign, it didn't, for me, and I also gripe about Master Chief, but it didn't carry that weight of actually doing something, if that makes sense. Because yeah. with the other games, you just had so much more of an impact with these one-liners that Chief brings of blowing up Covenant ships, of doing, you know, all his aspects. Mm-hmm. However... Halo Reach did many, many things right. Firefight being one of them. Firefight or Horde mode or whatever you want to call it is one of my favorite modes and hands down is one of the best arcade style modes in a shooter that brings you wave enemies, that brings you power-ups, brings you power weapons, whatever you want to do in it. It was so fun to play that in ODST and Reach with friends. And that's honestly what I stayed upon. Mm -hmm. I know when I looked back, I didn't sink that many hours into Reach because it just wasn't fun. And... So for me, playing through it again now through the MCC and seeing it, you know, basically 10 years later for the almost the most part, uh, it's still kind of kept that, not resentment, but still kind of kept that same ideas that I had on it that I was like, this game is all right. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just being that old school way. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I I got into Halo through Halo 3, but Reach was the first game that I went all in on. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to look at this game not subjectively. I'm I'm trying to be very open about this, and it's still hard for me. Like, I replayed it, the campaign, and I've done some some multiplayer matches and some firefight matches and screwed around in Forge to prepare myself for this, and I still... I, I just I still think the campaign still still tells a great game. Mm-hmm. And by all means, Alex and I are on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to this game, which is perfectly fine because by no means have I ever came to this podcast. It's like we have to like everything the way, you know, everyone else likes it. Like, that's fine. Like, for me, I think it did tell a good story. I think, you know, to date, it was one of the best looking Halo games. And especially, you know, being 60 FPS and 4K I still think it 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 looks sometimes better than Halo 4 and even Halo 5 just because those games kind of depart too much from that realistic aspect that we know in Halo and I think this was the height of that and you know Bungie was ambitious they changed the lore but that's perfectly fine cuz I've never been a guy married to lore I know a lot of times people say you know we're a lore podcast and, you know we we cover a lot of the lore but I mean we're not upset when we see something like that. I mean, I get it. It can be annoying to follow that's some of that stuff. But I mean, 343 is still changing lore as well. Like, it mm-hmm. happens. It, even with Awaken the Nightmare, I remember it was a huge controversy because they changed a lot of Flood lore. And, you know, I didn't see as much as an uproar with that. Granted, it wasn't to scale with how much Bungie did with Halo Reach and the Fall of Reach. But at the end of the day, I think this game was their most ambitious one. You know, ODST at the time was, 
but it wasn't that crazy of a departure from Halo 3 versus Halo Reach from Halo 3 was crazy jump, but I appreciate it a lot. I've spent probably, you know, I can guarantee probably two to 3,000 hours as well. I would wake up every morning because I was still in high school. I'd wake up. I'd start playing a match or two. We'd get off work. We'd skip homework, and we'd just play it mm-hmm. till we couldn't open our eyes anymore. And then the weekend, we would just pull all-nighters playing it. We could not stop. We were even at one point going to do some machinima, but we never did. But we also always screwed around with Forge. We would do these passive ways of doing firefight where we would be basically invulnerable, and we would all change our armor to noble team. And it was just our way to hang out and chat while we did this, stuff like that. But I think overall the game for me is phenomenal. And finally, to where the point, I mean, it's no secret we're not the biggest fans of 4 and 5. So I think overall, when it comes to my Bungie-era games, I, I you know I always debated, is it 3, is it Reach? But especially doing all this research, I think Reach is it for me. I think Reach is my favorite Halo game. And... I, I don't know. I know a lot of people that agree with me and a lot of people that agree with you, but I think that's perfectly fine. I think this is a game of controversy, but I think it's split down the middle for the most part. And I think a lot of people can find merit to even the story or something like that. So I do appreciate it as a whole. Maybe I'm still being a little nostalgic here, but overall, that's just how I feel about the game. So now I want to ask you, and and we'll discuss this on uh, an episode that will be coming out here soon. How 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 do you feel when like you know you see this and you're just like that's it Bungie's Bungie's done with Halo forever to to be very very frank with it Halo Reach killed Halo for me I stopped after Halo Reach I dabbled in 4 I didn't play 5 for a while and I didn't really pick up on a lot of this because Reach killed Halo for me mm-hmm. and and that's not to say it's not a good game or it did well. I think at this point, I think I'd played it so much. I'd played Halo for so long and so many years that, you know, being 10, this is 10 years that I've been playing it. And so to to have it go and and kind of go back, but change it up, but try and be a whole new game, I think mm-hmm. kind of killed it. And so it didn't affect me as much because I did not jump over to Halo 4 immediately. Mm-hmm. I got it later. I played it. I was like, meh, that's all right. And mostly focused on the multiplayer. Didn't really play the campaign too much. So just kind of focused on that. Played through it, and I was like, this feels like Reach. Well, yeah, that's because essentially 343 didn't have anything to go off of yeah. other than Reach. But I think it was too much of a departure. And I guess that, that that's when we cover Halo 4. Yeah. I don't want to go down that rabbit but hole. But yeah, just, just, to, just to cover the Bungie aspect of it. I think for me, Halo 3 was the last game they made my opinion. They. What about you? Said you liked ODST though. Or are you talking? I mean, that was a spin off. That's an yeah, add on okay, type okay. thing. I'd say so I'd core say, title. Yeah, it's a core title. Halo Three is the last game for me. Yeah, that's understandable. I mean, and and again, Alex and I had had many debates on this, and and by no means have they ever been heated. But I mean, I can understand that a lot of people have said that. For me, I think it was the game that perfected Halo. So I mean, again, we have totally different opinions mm-hmm. on this, but that's perfectly fine. Because he's wrong. Hmm. <laughs> but no, really, I mean, for me, it is kind of sad to see that departure and doing the research for this, seeing 343 moving in. And that's not necessarily, I'm not blaming 343 for ever coming in. This is a group of people who wanted to work on it, like Frank O'Connor, who was married to Halo since Halo 2. So, 
you know, because of 343, we still are getting Halo. We can't fault them for that. But yeah, it was definitely, it does sadden me a little bit because now Bungie is such an odd state. And man, I've I've never seen that much backlash over a game that's so popular like Destiny 1 and 2 have gotten. But, you know, overall, that is our second part to our Halo Reach episode. Mm-hmm. Again, I I really didn't expect this to turn into a two-parter, but with the amount of information I've gotten with the research for this, it was just an absolute blast. I know Alex and I did a handful of game nights on Reach. We did some multiplayer with each other. It's been a blast overall because now... Basically, we have one more thing to cover, which is a fan-made comic after this, and then we're doing a comprehensive Bungie episode Mm -hmm. about the studio as a whole, and then we're done with Bungie-era Halo. So for me, I'm a little saddened, but it it has to be done. We have to move on. We're going into 343 Industries territory, and I'm ready for it. But overall, this was an amazing two-part episode. I was so thrilled to do all this research and so thrilled to finally... Get this out in the open for the worst game from Bungie. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to rank it. I'm going to say right now, I'm probably going to give this game a 9.75 or 9.8 out of 10. I love this game. Love it so much. And that's maybe rose-tinted goggles or glasses or whatever you want to call it. That's fine. I'm wearing them proudly. I would probably give it one unnecessary beast that they put in the game for absolutely no reason out of several bobs just hanging out, <laughs> possibly disappearing if you don't go by them, divided by a really good Forge world, but unfortunately multiplied by being a terrible game, I'm going to give it that score. <laughs> I thought you were actually going to give us some quantifiable numbers here. Uh, but... There were, if you go back and listen. <laughs> uh, there uh, were. Foolish of me. Like Jesse said, Truly appreciate being able to do this. It's been fun. Mm-hmm. I, I do like doing the game episodes because you're right. It is such a nostalgia purpose for us and for being able to talk to a lot of developers and artists that worked on it is so mm-hmm. cool and be able to get all those aspects of it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And one other aspect that we really appreciate, I mean, honestly helps this podcast go, helps us afford anything we're doing, is our really awesome patrons through Patreon. And wanted to thank them real quick, just give them a little shout out. And those patrons are Angry Canadian, Baby Z, Charles Zitter, Dust Storm, Grant Dillon, Harvey Chong, Tactics, Pasquale Orozco, and Skyjack. You guys are awesome. Truly appreciate you. Thank you. And, of course, I want to give a shout-out to our Discord user, Brisket, also a guy I know in real life, really good guy. And give a shout-out to Dan Miller, who you know was awesome enough to talk to me on the phone for about an hour about all this stuff. Shout-out to him, and he gave us some awesome information about development. Now, as always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can always join our Discord. Remember, you can listen to us on any and all podcast platforms along with YouTube, where you can subscribe to us there. But again, thank you. This was such an awesome episode. We're almost done with Bungie, guys. And our next episode... Next oh, week. Uh, yeah, next week, because you know we're releasing these a few weeks. Because we are killing ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> now it's fun. Our next episode will be A Fist Full of Arrows, a fan comic written for Halo Reach, but you know, with 343 and Bungie's involvement and recognition of it, we can't not cover it. Exactly. So, with that being said, I'm your host Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host Alex Kendall. And thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. Halo.
I think we're just getting started.